The Eco Right Speaks podcast is your conservative home for weekly climate news, interviews, points of view, climate heroes, jesters, and so much more. We'll share the stories of people leading in their local communities and around the country. Welcome to the Eco Right Speaks podcast. It's brought to you by RepublicEN.org. Hello, and welcome to the Eco Right Speaks, your climate focused podcast produced by the team at RepublicEN.org. I'm your host, Chelsea Henderson. I'm on the edge of my seat, listeners, because on the day of recording, after recording, that is, two big things happen. First, my older son jets off to Germany for a semester abroad, which he's so excited about, and I'm so excited for him. The other big news is that my younger son and I then leave for vacation. If you're a reader of Week in Review, you know I've been eagerly counting down the days until I'm in Maine. And if you're listening to this on the day the episode dropped, well, guess what? I'm probably eating a lobster roll right now. Today's guest comes to us via the Hoosier State, where we have co-hosted a series of happy hours this summer with Casey Crane in the Indiana Conservative Energy Alliance. Casey was a guest last season, and if you missed her episode, we'll go back and listen because she's fabulous and her energy is infectious. It's probably clean energy, too. (laughs) But today we are talking to Daniel Point. Pointer of Carbon Neutral Indiana, a nonprofit whose mission is to help Indiana become carbon neutral as soon as possible. Daniel helps households and businesses clean up their carbon footprints and can even help you determine the size of your carbon footprint with a few quick questions. And with that knowledge, we can help shift the culture so that it's normal to be carbon neutral. There's also, listeners, a book which I think everyone should try to read. I'm going to grab a copy myself. Coming up next. Daniel Pointer tells us how to be carbon neutral. Welcome back, listeners. I am so excited to be with another Hoosier today, Daniel Pointer from Carbon Neutral Indiana. Daniel, welcome to the show. Hi there. Thank you for having me. So I know that you were an attendee at one of our recent Hoosier Happy Hours, which was a series, listeners, that we did over the summer, different locations in Indiana. We actually have one more coming up in September that had to be postponed. Um, And so, Daniel, which event was it that you attended? Um, I did the one in southern Indiana. Um, There was one in, uh, in Carmel, Indiana. I think I did one in Lafayette, Indiana, too. Oh, you did them both. Okay. Uh, well, we're big fans on the podcast of Carmel Mayor um, Jim Brainerd. So uh, he's been a guest on the show and and we've just long time admired his leadership. And you are also a leader in this space. So talk about Carbon Neutral Indiana and what inspired you to um, create this nonprofit. Well, the specific moment was I was working as a software engineer and also an advisor to entrepreneurs. I worked with 100 entrepreneurs as their advisor to help them grow their business. And um, somebody I knew kept posting about climate change on social media. And after about 100 of the posts, there it was like a moment of realization. I read about coral reefs and how the ocean is being, you know, the carbon isn't just in the air, it's absorbed in the ocean. And that contributes to uh, bleaching the coral And that we might, if I have grandchildren, hopefully they may not see the coral. And I remember, I remember clearly jumping up from my desk and, and I'm not an angry person, but I just felt this surge of anger 
the idea that the coral reefs could die. They're like the rainforest of the ocean. And I stomped my feet and I thought, isn't anybody going to do anything? And, you know, as soon as those words came out of my mouth, I realized, you know, here I am, I'm 30 years old. I've not done anything. (laughs) So maybe I should have a little patience. And then what I did was I took a year off and did a sabbatical to interview about 300 people working on environmental issues in the Midwest. And out of all that year of research, I created Carbon Neutral Indiana. I mean, that is quite the epiphany moment. It really was an actual moment for you. <laughs> so um, what is Carbon Neutral Indiana's mission? Well, our mission is in the name to help Indiana become net zero. So for all the greenhouse gases we produce to balance them out with carbon removals. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of the goal that the IPCC has set for the whole world for 2050. And so that you eat an elephant one bite at a time. If the world has to get there by 2050, so does America and so does Indiana. So I thought I'd put my flag in the ground and say, you know, I'll be here. I'll help do whatever's needed to help Indiana get there. And, you know, I I can say a little bit about how we can get there. Yeah, well, I think this is really interesting because I read a few years ago that um, through self-identification, Indiana is one of the most conservative states in the United States. And I think a lot of times people think of conservative and their knee-jerk reaction is that they won't want to do something on climate change, but conservative also means to conserve. And so what you're talking here, saying here about carbon neutral Indiana and the need to find that balance, that neutrality does seem to be in alignment to me with conservative values. Oh, definitely. I I was a Boy Scout and, um, you know, I, I, I think of carbon as a waste management issue. Mm-hmm. I think part of the problem is it's become wrapped up in a bunch of contentious social issues like defunding the police or gender or all the other complicated things, abortion. It has nothing to do with any of those things. It's a waste management issue. There's too much carbon in the atmosphere. We can use technology to remove it. End of story. Um, and so like when I was a child as a Boy Scout, pretty much the, the main thing you learn as a Boy Scout or a Girl Scout is clean up after yourself at the campsite. So if we pitch a tent and we have fun, you don't leave candy wrappers at the campsite. If you're a good Boy Scout, you clean up after yourself. And so if we're going to create carbon emissions, the least we can do is be carbon neutral. Carbon neutral just means take responsibility for your pollution and try to remove it, balance it out. If you have the issue, if you remove all the other contentious stuff and you just think about the waste management, it's not that controversial. Well, you... How, uh, what you just said reminds me of an analogy that our executive director, Bob Inglis, who you've met a few times makes, and that is that the emitting of carbon dioxide, it's like, almost like um, being able to go to the dump and dump for free, right? Like if, if I'm clean out my basement or whatever, and I have to go to the dump, I pay the tipping fee that is you know determined by the weight of my car, that is the amount of um, waste that I'm putting into that dump. But right now there's no tipping fee to release carbon into the atmosphere. And so I think calling it a waste management issue is, is really spot on. At Carbon Neutral Indiana, are you working mostly with residential or with businesses that are trying to find that carbon neutrality? Well, our first phase, so I'll talk a little bit about how, you know, to eat an elephant one bite at a time, let's focus on Indiana. Let's name the organization, the, the goal, so people know what mm-hmm. we're about when they hear mm-hmm. us. Now, how do you get there? Well, the, the strategy will evolve as we as the situation evolves. So when I first started researching this, you know, I saw that 29 philanthropies, big ones like MacArthur, Ford, Rockefeller, they committed something like $4 billion to climate philanthropy, you know, 
And I thought, well, Indiana's 3% of the population. We've got 6 million people. So that means that we're getting 3% of the climate philanthropy, right? But I've read the tax documents of all the nonprofits in Indiana working on the issue. We're not getting $25 million a year, right? which is 3%. We're getting about half a million, which is 5% what we should. So on the one hand, Indiana is one of 10 states producing half of the emissions. And on the other, we're getting 5% of the climate philanthropy we should based on population. Wow. Something doesn't make sense. Yeah. So I knew that if I jumped in the ring, we probably wouldn't get funding. It's just not happening. It's all going to the coasts and to blue states like Colorado. Mm -hmm. And I've since learned that a lot of that philanthropy has strings attached. And I actually think I'm blessed that I've not taken those, that money. So (laughs) at the first part is just, we had to create a financially sustainable model. That's the first thing. So for the first year, I worked full-time unpaid, going out to households and helping them measure their carbon footprint, Mm -hmm. helping them clean it up by selling them carbon offsets. And we can talk about that if you're curious. And for most people, it's like $15, $20 a month. And then they're, they're, they're funding projects that would not happen otherwise to reduce carbon emissions. And they're carbon neutral. And we keep, just like the Girl Scouts selling cookies, they sell cookies for $5. They, they're, they only cost $2. So they're keeping about you know 70% or 60% as a margin. We're doing the same thing. We keep 40%, so less than the Girl Scouts, of the carbon offset for discretionary spending for our, to grow our organization. So- It took about a year after a year of hustling 40 hours a week, unpaid. Finally, after a year of, you know, at the time I was 32 at the prime of my energy, I had so much passion and energy. I was finally, after all that work, able to pay myself $23 an hour. And while that may not sound like much, basically I felt like the Wright brothers running with a plane. I finally got the plane off the ground. I jumped in the plane, the plane started to sink and then it started to rise again. So I was like, oh, at least we can keep the lights on with one person. So in the beginning, it was just survival financially. We continue to build our membership with households and we're building a nonpartisan grassroots movement. So what I like about it is it, the funding source is incredibly democratic and distributed. And it's all about, um, it's nonpartisan. It's all about solutions. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all about freedom of speech. A lot of the environmental community is, you know, suffering from a lot of the things on the left, which is, you know, closing their minds, you know, shouting people down. It's totalitarian, honestly. Mm -hmm. So we're built in the first phase, we're building this membership nonpartisan group. That's all about solutions and inquiry and the free market and innovation. And as we get bigger and bigger and bigger, then we can do other projects. For example, um, two, I'll just mention quickly um, where I went to college, Purdue university, we, they educated Neil Armstrong. They had the first computer science program in the country if anybody's going to decarbonize the world economy, it's going to be engineers at Purdue and scientists and entrepreneurs. Yeah. So when I, when I heard that the Purdue student newspaper, their revenue was down 60% and they couldn't fund climate journalism, I thought, okay, let's fund journalism. So we actually pay for students to be climate solutions reporters and they can write whatever they want. But the only uh, mission I give them is don't just write about doom and gloom and all the, the polar bears, write about cool technologies, startup companies and so on that are decarbonizing cement, steel, agriculture, buildings, transportation, and so on. So what we're doing is we're making a long-term commitment to the Purdue community to stimulate it with all these awesome innovations so that the accountant or the engineer or the philosophy major like I was, when they read these articles, they might change their career. So that's one thing that we're doing. After we have this uh, financially sustainable uh, base of a membership, now we can start to do things like funding journalism. And then the second thing that that I'll mention is that This summer, I hired an intern and we interviewed 100 people. 
And we just finished writing a book. And the book is called Carbon Neutral Indiana, A Practical Guide to Climate Optimism. And we raised $30,000. We're mailing a copy, a free copy of the book to 3,000 of the most influential people in Indiana, every elected official, every chamber of commerce, every school superintendent, the biggest churches. And the book is full of 60 true stories of Hoosier entrepreneurs reducing carbon emissions um, in many different ways, not just solar and wind, but painting the roof of the building white or using a methane digester. And so we have 60 true stories of the free market and innovation winning the day. So when people say we need to use the free market and stuff, a lot of times they don't have concrete examples to to whip out. This book gives you 60 concrete examples. That's really fabulous. How could listeners get a copy of that book if they're interested? Can you get it on Amazon or do you have limited production? uh, You can order from our website. It's carbonneutralindiana.org slash book. Okay. And we're mailing free copies to 3,000 influential Hoosiers but other people can buy the book. So it's going to be used in college classes at Purdue, Ball State, and um, Indiana University. Um, You know, we're trying to get it used in in Catholic high schools. I'm talking with Boy Scouts about getting the, the book in the hand of every Eagle Scout. We're energy optimists and climate realists. Stand with us at republicen.org. Now back to this week's episode. I think that's really important what you noted about how there's so many different bites at the apple. So it's not just solar, which could, you know, require some upfront costs to install in your home. And it's not just wind, it's, uh, it, it's going to be a plethora of different solutions. And one is going to work better for somebody else than another one. And so being able to see or having that inspiration to innovate. Um, I, I have teenage, um, a teenage son and a 20 year old son that I sometimes call my teenage son as well. But um, sometimes when I'm talking to their friends, they feel despondent, right? That doom and gloom that you mentioned, because it is, it does feel like an overwhelming problem and scary. And, and what I always say is, listen, um, we're going to be able to innovate our way out of this. And, and there's so many creative minds in this country and those creative minds. I hope that the people who do innovate their way out of this problem for us, get really rich because that is part of the, uh, you know, capitalism is that where you invent that technology or those technologies that help, um, and then they become commercialized. And before you know it, we're just doing them and we don't even think about it. Sort of like how we now get into our regular vehicles and go, obviously way before our time, you know, it was a horse and a buggy. And even before the horse and buggy, I mean, we've just, we always evolve in our ways of thinking we evolve in our technologies. And so we will keep doing that. Um, I am a little curious about how you measure. So let's say I obviously do not live in Indiana, but if you were to come to my home and to help me measure my carbon footprint, what does that process look like? Well, we help people around the country for free. It takes 10 minutes on the phone. And if you want to schedule that, it's carbonneutralindiana.org. Um, okay. We do that for free. I've done that for 600 people in the past two years. And in the phone call, I just ask questions like, what's your electricity bill? How much okay. do you pay? What's your natural gas bill? How much do you pay? How much do you fly? Um, what kind of food do you eat? What, how, much, how much do you drive? And I provide all these questions ahead of the call so you can prepare. Mm-hmm. And, and then I send you a nice little visual graph that says, you know, of your emissions come from food. 20% comes from your building. And then in the phone call, 
if the person wants to talk longer than 10 minutes, I'm available for up to an hour for free. And I give them resources, cool books to read, videos, um, ways to reduce carbon emissions in your household. And we do this all for free. That's the whole point. However, if they want to take the next step and be carbon neutral, they can for $15 a ton. And it, it works out to about 15 to $20 per person per household. Mm-hmm. And so that's essentially what we do. That work makes all of our other work possible. But I think the highest leverage, I want to mention this quickly, is that there's this whole body of knowledge called systems analysis and systems theory. And it comes out of uh, information theory and computer science. Um, but it's it's called systems theory. And if the listener wants the best essay I can ever recommend anyone ever read uh, is by Donella Meadows called Leverage Points. And she identifies 10 different things you can do to change any system, whether that's the human body or the culture of a company or the greenhouse gases in Indiana. And so our, our base is helping households be carbon neutral. On top of that, education and systems analysis, that's the, that's the way that we're going to try to transform Indiana into, into, yeah, I'll stop there. Well, that actually sounds really fascinating. If that is something that you can send me a link to, I can drop it in the show notes so listeners can um, can read it for themselves. And I want to read it too. Uh, I'm wondering, I know that you have had a, a lot of really positive feedback. Um, you sent me a list of um, of influencers that have praised the work that you're doing. And I'm wondering, do you ever face resistance? Not really, because um, I try to respect people. Um, I actually met, you know, in the environmental community, I'll just say that I've networked heavily on the coasts. Mm -hmm. And often when I introduce myself from Indiana, half the time people go, oh, you're from Indiana. There, there is the, the community, the, the, the nation is, you know, rightly concerned about racial bias, but we're completely blind to economic bias. There's so much snobbery in the climate movement. Mm -hmm. It's really the hobby of wealthy people and usually white liberals, um, so I interviewed this Indian man, uh, who won this, this prize called the Buckminster Fuller prize a long time ago. And he was raised in India. And, um, I said, you know, Buckminster Fuller was known as like this really rational scientific guy. He created the term spaceship earth. And I asked, and, and I asked this man, when you were educated as a child, how did your parents educate you? Did they educate you in a very traditional Hindu way with a lot of Hindu myths, or did they raise you in a very scientific modern, uh, way? And he said both. And I said, well, what did your parents, how did they relate to their ancient myths and their, and their uh, meaning and their traditions? And he said, well, my mother said, and I thought this was beautiful, and I think I'd like to live up to this. He said that, you know, you don't need to take sacrifices and offerings to the temple, to the gods. You don't need to do that. Uh, and I said, why? I thought that was the, one of the major points of Hinduism. He said, no, every person that you're talking to has God within them. And the way that you treat them, you're treating God. And he said, that's my religion. I thought, wow, that's amazing. So I think um, if we all take that attitude when we talk to people, they're going to be, they're going to engage us. Like there's not resistance, you know what I mean? And and especially if you use humor and respect and so on and so forth. Um, one thing I wanted to say, especially to this audience, is that there was a, a poll in Europe and they asked young people, um, you know, who do you think can succeed with climate change? Is it is it the Western democracies or is it the authoritarians? And a majority of young Europeans think that authoritarian states are more effective than democracies when dealing with climate change. A majority of Europeans. So if the Western democracies don't figure out a way to deal with this, will we lose the young people to authoritarian 
movements. Wow. Yeah. Another thing you said, uh, despair, your children between 2007 and 2018. So there's a decade there. The rate of suicide among young people increased 60%. That's a lot. I, I don't think any of us should use that statistic for political purposes. Cause it's just, yeah. it's so you can't even comprehend how sad that is. Yeah. And part of that is body image with young women with Instagram. Mm-hmm. Part of it is the breakdown of the family, but part of that has to be environmental anxiety. Yeah. So we have to get our act together and show people that there are realistic ways to move forward. And um, that's what this book is really about is giving you like tons of intellectual ammo to show people that it's not hopeless. In fact, our best days are yet to come. Our best days are yet to come. I love that. And, and would agree that eco-anxiety can be high and, and there's no better way to feel empowered than to feel like you're doing something or that you have a purpose and so to the extent that your book or that the 10 leverage points or any of the things we've discussed today can give people purpose, then I think we help mitigate some of that despair, a lot of that despair. You had asked me before we started recording about reoccurring themes that we have on the show, and then you inadvertently hit on one, which was um, basically what you were describing with the, um, the Indian gentleman was um, civility, right? Treating people with kindness, treating them with civility and Last uh, two weeks ago, our guests um, were both came from Braver Angels, an organization that takes voices on the right and voices on the left and bridges that gap, right? We don't just have to be mean to each other because maybe we're not aligned ideologically. We can still find, we're still human. We can still be kind to each other and we can listen, right? And sometimes we value in our society, I think the words that people speak, but there is also great value in being able to step back and listen to what was said and not just have that reaction or needing to intersect your own view in that exact moment. And, you know, I'm an interrupter. I know it. It's something I really try not to do, especially on the podcast, but if we could just treat everyone as if they're, you know, our grandmother, our mother, our best friend, um, I think we would get a lot farther. We wouldn't feel this um, sort of partisan ickiness that we feel right now. So Warren Buffett, um, I love this quote. Um, and I, when I actually, I got to meet Senator Braun in, in Indiana and we walked through his forest and he knows the Latin names of all of his trees. And he said behind closed doors, many Republicans are worried about climate. They're just afraid to talk about it, which, which is another point. We need to be more courageous. Um, but I had, I did an art exhibit in his driveway and we all read quotes and I gave him a piece of paper and he read this quote. And I think I saw his eyes sparkle. So here's a quote by Warren Buffett. Throughout my lifetime, politicians and pundits have constantly moaned about terrifying problems facing America. The prophets of doom have overlooked the all-important factor that is certain. Human potential is far from exhausted. And the American system for unleashing that potential, a system that has worked wonders for over two centuries, despite frequent interruptions for recessions and even a civil war, remains alive and effective. The American system for unleashing that potential remains alive and effective. That's Warren Buffett. Daniel, I think that is a really lovely note for us to to end on. You've given our listeners so much to think about and to process. And I'm just going to say whatever it is that you listener responded to or um, um, felt a, a connection to, go to carbonneutralindiana.org, 
there. You can find the book. You can schedule a conversation with Daniel. He'll help you figure out the carbon footprint of your home. Um, I'm going to link the leverage points essay in the show notes, but you've given us a lot to, a lot to process from here. And I really appreciate everything you're doing and, and I hope your movement spreads. I hope that, um, you know, maybe at some point you'll have to change your name to carbon neutral America. Yeah. Thanks for this. I think, um, the best leverage point is knowledge and education. So keep, thank, thank you for, um, for encouraging more knowledge. Price, I cannot tell you how, I cannot express enough how impressed I am with Daniel Pointer. It was a great guest, and I'm glad that he reached out and wrote to us, you know, because sometimes uh, interviews that you may not have on the list or you may not have, um, you know, kind of planned for that just kind of pop up sometimes are the best ones. So it's kind of how this one came about. And, you know, like like we've always said, if you've got an idea of somebody you want to hear or if you've got something you want to talk about yourself, please drop us a line, let us know. But this is one of those ones where it's just, uh, you know, kind of fell right into our lap and really appreciate Daniel for reaching out. For sure. The thing that just really struck me was his entrepreneurial spirit, right? So just um, comes at everything from an open mind of like, we can really do anything, right? And and we need more people who are limitless in how they think. And so it was just a pleasure to talk to him. Yeah, it's great having Daniel. I appreciate uh, him giving some time to us uh, on this episode of the Eco Right Speaks. And as a reminder, we will not have uh, a new episode next week. So it's just going to be a quick one week break. Um, and then we'll be back and we will get through the rest of 2022 together. So make your plans to download, listen, subscribe. New episode coming to you on Tuesdays. Um, real quick, Chelsea, before we let you get out of here and begin your vacation, that long awaited summer vacation, which you can, you know, tease us with exactly what you're going to go do and the fun you're going to have. Tell you about some new members that we had sign up to stand with us. Paul M. in South Carolina, Austin A. in Oklahoma, Tiffany K. in Utah, Jason B. in Georgia, and Bill I. in Idaho. Thank you all for standing with us. We had more, but that's just a sampling. And if you have not done so, republican.org forward slash join. That is your place to sign up and stand with us. Chels, where are we going? What you doing? I am headed to Maine. Well, first of all, Price, you and I are jamming this thing out. I'm about to take my older kid to the airport because he's going to study abroad in the fall. And so he's on his way to Germany. So that's exciting. So that's like one big thing. And then I'm coming home and I'm grabbing the other kid and we are getting in the car and we are heading um, ultimately to Maine. But I'm making we're making a... um, weekend stop on the Jersey shore where my really dear friends have a house. So we'll be in on the Jersey shore, um, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday night. I'm heading up to Maine and I cannot wait. I'm going to eat lobster every day, every day price. Oh, yum, yum, yum. Don't have any lobster at my fingertips here in the upstate of South Carolina, but we'll be channeling my inner Chelsea Henderson and hoping that you are just devouring Tons, pounds of it by the day. 
Um, real quick, uh, the bumper you heard as we were coming into this final segment here, um, Citizens Climate Radio, just want to give a shout out to our, our friend Peter Peterson Descano, who runs their podcast at Citizens Climate Radio. Check out episode 75, their latest episode. They come out every month. Um, they have a young conservative, I think would be a great uh, interview uh, and somebody that people might be interested uh, in hearing, a high school student. Uh, I was a high school student now, uh, heading off to UPenn uh, this fall, uh, immigrated from, I believe it was Iran, um, but a really interesting interview. So check out uh, episode 75, Citizens Climate Radio, uh, episode 75. Uh, Adrian, I, I cannot pronounce his his last name, but an a interesting young conservative uh, who's pr- pursuing climate solutions. So give them a listen. But give us a listen uh, as we take next week off. Take a little time. Go back and maybe listen to a couple episodes, Chelsea, that people may not have heard, as we say all the time. A lot of interviews that we've done that are evergreen. They stand the test of time. Uh, you can even go back probably a couple seasons uh, to get uh, to get your fill of the Eco-Right Speaks if you're going to be missing out on anything uh in the soothing tones of chelsea henderson and myself uh next week so go back and and check out something that you might have missed well and here's what i recommend i definitely recommend um listening to casey crane you just finished this episode with carbon neutral indiana's founder um daniel pointer and we met him um through initially through one of the hoosier happy hours that we co-hosted with casey crane and the indiana conservative energy alliance and so go back, listen to Casey. That's a really great one. Um, I mean, they're all wonderful. We have Catherine Hayhoe last season. We um, have had various lawmakers. But I I just, you know, do a pick of the draw. Just pick one. See what happens. You might surprise yourself. Well, in the meantime, Chelsea, have a safe trip to the Jersey Shore, then on up to Maine and get back to us in one piece. So we pick this thing up and continue after Labor Day. In the meantime, I hope everybody does have a safe and uh, solid, fun Labor Day, long holiday weekend. And everybody wants you to get back to us in one piece as we begin uh, the rest of 2002 or 2022 together. But in the meantime, Chels, happy, happy lobster tails. Have a great time. And we'll talk to you very, very soon. Thanks, Price. Have a good week without me. Thanks for listening to this week's edition of the Eco-Right Speaks podcast brought to you by the team at RepublicEN.org. Make sure to visit RepublicEN.org to learn more and find out how you can be a local eco-right leader. 